Good afternoon, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, I wish there was something to talk about today, but alas, there's no real important breaking news out there. Nothing that has been simmering since last night. Nothing. I'm y'all know I'm joking. We have to talk about it. We have to go into the biggest national story of the day, and that is, of course, the impending indictments against Donald Trump. Now, to be clear, everybody's saying Trump has been indicted. What we know is that the grand jury has voted to indict Donald Trump. We don't know specific charges. We don't, we're, we're told something along the lines of like 30 to 34 indictments related to business fraud. This is where things are legally dubious and and we need to talk about the legal dubiousness of this because you will notice that business fraud is a state level crime but the district attorney Alvin Bragg is planning to indict Trump or has apparently secured from a grand jury indictments against Trump for this state level crime by building it on top of federal elections law crimes. Now, federal law supersedes state law. If this were a federal uh, investigation into federal crime, the feds would come in. The problem here is that the feds have repeatedly backed away from charging Trump on federal elections crimes based on the Stormy Daniels event. Apparently... Apparently, Donald Trump is guilty of business fraud because he's guilty of a federal elections fraud, despite the fact he's never been charged with the federal fraud, much less convicted of it. And this is a very tenuous legal theory. This is actually very challenging, and a lot of law analysts on the left and the right believe it's pretty dubious. And that's what we have to understand here. See, this this is not not just an objective legal case against Donald Trump. This is years and years of the progressive left saying, we've got to indict him on something. And they've been throwing everything against the wall to see what sticks. And in fact, Alvin Bragg's office the DA's office in Manhattan had previously backed away from charges related to this event. But all of a sudden they're coming back now and saying it because the progressive left had gotten so loud and so noisy about charging Trump, he flipped course. And he's now going after this and his entire case seems to be built on the testimony of his former attorney, Michael Cohen, who is a convicted liar has been convicted of lying to the feds, to Congress. And that's what the case is built on. Now, most of you listening right now may be confused because you know that two things are true. Thing number one that's true. I think this is nonsense. You hear me saying that right now. But the other truth here 
is that you know I'm not a fan of Trump. So I am sitting here defending Trump in this. Now, that doesn't mean I think Trump's not guilty of anything here. But we don't know the full facts of the case because the indictments are not public. Somebody in the DA's office leaked that the grand jury has voted to indict Trump, but we have very few other details right now. That itself is a red flag. Before anything became public, somebody fed it to an eagerly waiting media. That's a big issue that should be noted. That is a very big issue that should be noted. Somebody leaked it to the media because they knew the media would take it for the weekend and run with it. That would be the big story over the weekend. That's why it leaked on a Thursday night, so it could be the news headlines for Friday, so it could go into the weekend keeping it strong, despite the fact that Trump himself will not turn, will not be uh, taken into custody until Tuesday. Trump will turn himself in on Tuesday when the indictments will be read. No one's above the law. And that includes current and ex-presidents. No one's above the law. If Trump committed a crime, absolutely he should have to answer for it. But the problem is, this is not really about justice. To pursue Trump on the case of paying off a porn star, using a known liar as your star witness... When every law enforcement agency previously walked away from that investigation isn't justice, it's a vendetta. No law enforcement agency from the feds on down thought they could build a case on this, so they didn't touch it. It wasn't until Bragg's office capitulated to progressive activists and finally did something. And you have legal analysts from the left and the right saying this is dubious at best. You are doing something unprecedented, and and that needs to be stressed here. This is unprecedented in the legal community to build a state-level case using a federal law that the defendant has not been convicted of, or charged with, much less convicted of. It's a very novel case, and one that's legally tenuous at best. Keep in mind that several years ago, the feds brought six indictments against former presidential candidate John Edwards for having an extramarital affair. He, he, was, he, was, uh, he was charged with federal elections crimes, six charges, and he was found not guilty in North Carolina. One count not guilty, five counts mistrial. The feds dropped the charges. They did not try the other five charges again. At the time... Edwards was having heart problems, but he also had this extramarital affair. And he was found not guilty on the one charge, primarily because his legal team made the argument that the payment wasn't about the election. The payment was about trying to hide it from his wife. They couldn't make the case that this was about the election. So he never got he he never got convicted of the federal elections charges. At the time, former RNC chair and former Republican official Michael Steele and Joe Scarborough called those proceedings an absolute waste of resources. Michael Steele said this was an absolute waste of resources right now. The man has gone through a huge public humiliation. Let him gather himself, pay whatever fines he needs to pay, and let him go back to his family and heal. Scarborough, that was Michael Steele. Scarborough said 
is there anybody who disagrees with me that John Edwards' family has suffered enough and that this is a waste of precious resources by the Justice Department? Willing to bet you can't find Joe Scarborough or Michael Steele saying that about the Trump charges. Keep in mind also that Alvin Bragg's office has said on multiple occasions they can't convict, uh, they, they can't pursue gun charges because they are low on resources right now. But somehow they found the resources to charge Trump with these 30-something indictments, likely misdemeanors on a state-level crime, just to fulfill the vendetta that the left wants to fill against Donald Trump for the crime of ultimately beating Hillary Clinton in a campaign in 2016. The case against Trump is based on the testimony of a convicted serial killer in Michael Cohen and a porn star in Stormy Daniels. It's centered around falsified business records, using campaign finance as the tool to have accomplished that crime. The idea is that the business records, the money actually came from the Trump business to pay off Stormy Daniels, but that those business expenses were actually an in-kind contribution to the Trump campaign because the whole reason to pay Stormy Daniels off was to keep that story out of the media and to help his campaign. So they're building this case. They're building a case for, for one set of crimes on another crime he hasn't been charged with. It's weaponized, dumb justice at its worst. Basic vendetta politics using the justice system, using the legal system to take out a political opponent. And here's the thing. Here's what the Democrats, I think the elected Democrats in Washington, D.C. are starting to realize. Never mind the, the, the aggressive progressive base that wants to see Trump convicted of literally anything. They want to see him charged, indicted, convicted of something. They don't care what they just want, the, what they want the man in prison. That's what they're looking for. But Democrats know Alvin Bragg has just given Donald Trump a major, major fundraising opportunity. He raised $1.5 million within days of the story that he would be convicted or indicted coming out, of his arrest coming out. He raised nearly $2 million in just a couple days. Now that there is a pending indictment and that he's going to turn himself in, the fundraising is going to go through the roof. If in 2024, Donald Trump becomes the nominee for president, you can bet it's not going to be as great an election for Joe Biden as you think it is. This will actually help Donald Trump. When it was just a story of Trump maybe getting indicted, maybe getting arrested, but nothing was really moving on that. Yes, yeah, there was the idea that it might help Trump, but it might not now that you have a full-blown set of indictments coming forward and that Trump is going to turn himself in, now you're showing vendetta politics at their worst. And that's what's happening here. 232-1542. We're going to take this break. When we come back, your calls, your messages through the KPL app chat, all that and more of the news of the day right here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message through the KPL app chat. If Don't take my word for it, okay? I know I'm a conservative commentator. Um, 
even if I've been outspoken against my distaste for Trump before, I understand some people think I'm just a, a right-leaning hack. So don't take it from me. Take it from the editorial board of the Washington Post. Thursday's events are the result of Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's decision early in his tenure to abandon a probe centered on the former president's business practices in favor of what had come to be known as the zombie case. The matter of a $130,000 payment made to adult film star Stormy Daniels in exchange for her silence about an affair she claims to have had with Mr. Trump about a decade earlier. Mr. Trump denies the affair. Check writer Michael Cohen, Mr. Trump's longtime lawyer and fixer, pleaded guilty to crimes related to the payment in 2018. Though the precise charges are not yet known, it's expected that prosecutors are now going after his boss for supposedly covering up his reimbursements for the favor. Falsifying records in this way is usually a misdemeanor in New York, but if it was done to cover up another crime, it can turn into a felony. The idea here is that it is hush money payment constituted as an improper, uh, constituted an improper political donation because it benefited Mr. Trump so close to the election. Pyramiding two transgressions of state rules to go after a federal candidate is legally plausible, but the strategy is also novel, and courts may regard it with skepticism. What's more, the potential campaign finance charge itself is shaky. When federal prosecutors charged former Senator John Edwards with a similar crime following his 2008 presidential run, he rebutted the accusation by arguing that he was trying to disguise his faithlessness from his wife rather than from the voting public. The trial ended in an acquittal on one count and a hung jury on others, at which point the Justice Department dropped the charges. Breaches of campaign finance law undermine democracy and deserve to be taken seriously, yet the potential downsides of failing to indict Mr. Trump ought to be taken seriously, too. This prosecution is now bound to be the test case for any future former president, as well, of course, against proceedings against the former president in particular, of which there are plenty. The Washington Post is skeptical. And they're not exactly conservative hacks. 232-1542. We'll be back in just a moment or send a message to the KPL app after this news break here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, some breaking news uh, in the Fox News Dominion voting system uh, lawsuit against Fox News. A Delaware judge has denied Fox News motion for summary judgment and has granted in part Dominion's motion for summary judgment. Dominion wins on falsity of statements and Fox News Corporation publication, Fox News uh, Fox Corp publication, actual malice damages to be determined at trial. So essentially, the judge is saying that uh, Dominion's case can move forward. Fox News, they, you cannot dismiss. Here is um, here is the important part that I think plays a pretty big role in journalism going forward. The judge has said that today's order uh, denying Fox News motion for summary judgment dispenses with one of its one of Fox News's main uh, defenses. Fox News has been saying that because of the hosts that were giving. Uh, airtime to the Dominion detractors, the, the folks who were claiming the stolen election theory, you can't just say that they are opinion hosts and that all this is protected because it's opinion. The statements were capable of being proven true, the judge wrote in his opinion. And in fact, the evidence that would prove the statements was discussed many times. 
Fox News Network hosts repeatedly framed the issue as one of truth-seeking and purported to ground interview questions in judicial proceedings and evidence and did not read the statements as mere opinion, the judge says. So the defamation case will move forward. That's the latest on that. I know that some of y'all are interested in that case. But I want to move on to some local issues. We've had a couple of, and I, do I want to talk about the Youngsville stuff? No, nah, not yet. Maybe later. Um, So we've had two school situations today. Lafayette Parish School System dealing with a lot right now. Uh, let's do the Lafayette High one first. A social media threat led to the lockdown of Lafayette High School earlier. Shortly after noon, it was moved to shelter in place. Police are still investigating. Uh, but somebody posted to social media that they were going to, quote, shoot up LHS at a specific time today. And if you think it's a joke, it's not. Take it seriously, that sort of thing. That was seen by a lot of concerned students. It was taken to administrators. Administrators called the Lafayette Police Department. Uh, the school was locked down. They moved to shelter in place while the investigation was ongoing. But that shelter in place has been lifted and dismissal uh, was uh, underway under normal procedures. So you had that. And then you had also this very curious case at Como High School. So somebody posted to social media yesterday about an incident at the school in which this poster did not claim it in the original post, but in the comments made clear what they were talking about was that somebody got raped on Como's campus. And the social media share, the post went viral. There's a bunch of comments, a bunch of shares, all of this stuff. Early this morning, Lafayette Parish School System released a statement saying the social media rumors are not true. Nobody was raped on the campus of Como High School. Not too long after that, Lafayette Police Department confirmed that they were investigating and had made an arrest of a juvenile for sexual battery. Now, Lafayette Police are clarifying we do not believe a rape occurred but we do believe that a sexual battery occurred and somebody has been arrested for that. There will not be much more information that comes out about the victim or the accused because they're both juveniles. That's where we stand on that. But again, the larger issue here is how quickly things have deteriorated this year in terms of all the threats that have been leveled at schools. And let me start by saying that at least in Lafayette Parish, kudos to Lafayette Parish for taking every threat seriously. And I really want to stop. I I need to stop and commend this. The Lafayette Parish Sheriff's Office, which is in charge of the school resource officer program, working with the Lafayette Police Department. Both agencies have responded very quickly. Both agencies have been responding efficiently. There have been efficient plans that have been laid out. Nobody wants another Uvalde. Nobody wants another Covenant School. Everybody is working to take every threat seriously. And that's a good thing. The problem is not lack of law enforcement in our schools like you see elsewhere in the country. There's a big national conversation right now, once again, about putting police officers in schools. 
And yes, I believe in the school resource officer program. I do. I absolutely believe in it. There are great SRO officers in Lafayette Parish. They do a phenomenal job. I've worked alongside them. I've spoken to several of them. It is a program that has done very well in Lafayette Parish in not only locking down the schools when there's a threat, but getting them into shelter in place and eventually moving them out by investigating quickly but efficiently. The problem in Lafayette Parish, the problem in surrounding parishes, is not so much law enforcement or lack thereof. The problem is still cultural. The problem is still that students do not take this seriously. If they are actually threatening to shoot up the school, if they actually plan on doing it, there is a deep psychological problem there. It goes to the mental health stuff that I've been talking about for a couple days on the Nashville story. There is a mental health issue when you lose connection with humanity to the point where you can uh, effortlessly make the decision to take another human life. That is a mental health problem. That is a level of social emotional detachment that is in desperate need of therapy at the, at the least. But more than the actual threats there and threat assessments being done and people actually capable of doing it, the bigger issue is cultural. Among students, they are so prepared to do anything to get themselves out of school, to cause mischief, to or whatever. They don't understand the actual penalties here. Up to $15,000, up to 15 years in prison for terrorizing. You have kids who are now sitting in juvenile detention, juvenile correction, in Lafayette Parish because they have placed these threats against schools and they don't understand the legal jeopardy therein. But there is something deeply wrong and is cultural here. And we do have to find a way to try to fight this growing problem because it is a growing problem. Even you can have the best SRO program in the country, which I think Lafayette's ranks up there. But just because you have the best response to it doesn't mean we've actually solved the problem of the threats or of potential threats. And part of it goes to the social media stuff. We've had all these conversations about social media and the problems that these students are having time and time again, where they put too much information online, they're listening to too much information online, they're getting too much from online. It's affecting their real life. The students who are taking part in these threats are doing so because they've kind of lost a connection with the real world. And they don't understand the real-world consequences to these actions. And living a very online lifestyle, like a lot of these kids do, is leading to a disconnect from reality. We have these problems with social media apps because we have lost connection with each other. And so when you lose connections with each other, when you start making these decisions as a kid or even as an adult to place a threat against somebody else because somebody's wronged you and you're not considering the consequences of making the threat, you've lost that connection. And it's very hard to get that connection back once it's lost. You have to be fully ingrained back into society in order to be able to see that you've done wrong.
In the first half of the show, I talked about the weaponization of the legal system. Here is a complete ignorance of the legal system. It's a bunch of kids who don't understand the serious legal ramifications for what they're doing. And part of that is our fault. Part of that is we've made the legal system such an enemy in media that we're not taking it seriously when the legal system exists to grant justice, to investigate and stop crimes, to protect citizens. How many anti-lawyer jokes do you know? How many of those uh, lawyers are terrible people tropes have you seen in TV and movies? How many times in newscasts and amongst politicians and activists have you heard about how evil the cops are? And how the system is uh, systemically racist and how the system is just not for everybody. It's for the few. We have demonized the legal system to the point that nobody's taking it seriously. And that's being passed on to the kids who don't take it seriously. And as a result, they call in these threats. They post these threats to social media because they think only in terms of the online world and never really think about the seriousness of the real world around them. All because we've undermined the system in our media. I guess I've been on a Robin Williams kick recently because I referenced uh, the Birdcage and Mrs. Doubtfire the other day. What about the movie Hook? One of the great examples. Uh, Robin Williams, Peter Pan, returns to Neverland. He doesn't remember being Peter Pan. Meets up with the Lost Boys and they say, kill the grown-up. And he says, I'm not a grown-up, I'm a lawyer. And they say, kill the lawyer. And he goes, I'm not that kind of lawyer. That kind of trope exists because we have just absolutely diminished the legal system. Part of it is, frankly, all those billboards in the interstate, we don't take them seriously. They're just money chasers. That's the idea that we come to because we see them constantly advertising on billboards, on TV, on radio. They're just chasing money, chasing uh, settlements so they can make a quick buck. That's the kind of trope we keep putting out there. And yeah, I'm not a fan of trial lawyers, but it's still a trope that's pushed by the media, and it undermines the legal community as a whole. And these kids don't take the legal system seriously. I'm a huge Batman fan, a a, a Batman nerd, frankly. And the premise of Batman is that the cops were so corrupt at the time that somebody needed to step in and do it. And so we've got this trope of the corrupt cop, or now the trope of the racist cop, And that's what's being pushed time and time again out in the media. That's the focus of the conversation is whenever we think about cops, we think about the the cop who put his knee on the back of of. uh, On the back of a victim's neck, we talk about the cop who shoots an unarmed black man in the back. We talk about hands up, don't shoot. We talk about all these these things that have just evolved in the media. And at the end of the day, here's the problem. Nobody in our schools takes the legal system seriously. And so they call in these threats. They think it's a great laugh, everything. You know, yeah, sir, sure, kids have gotten arrested in other parts of the parish, but that was just them overreacting to some stupid online threat. Watch me do it too. And then this person gets arrested and charged with a crime that can land them in prison for 15 years or make them have to pay up to $15,000. When you don't take the system seriously, the system will come and bite you in the butt because 
you don't understand just how serious these problems are. And that's what we're seeing. The, the legal community, our police, our lawyers, our judicial system has been undermined on one side and weaponized by the other. And as a result, nobody trusts it. And that's a damn shame because we keep having these problems in our schools. 232-1542, we'll be back in just a moment here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to be a part of the conversation. In fact, let's go to the phone lines now. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who's on the line? Hello? Hi, this is the Joe Cunningham Show. Hello. Um, I wanted to add my two cents to whatever the person ahead of me was saying. Uh, The buck stops with and starts with the parents. Uh When the parents allow their children no supervision and they get to choose and they get to do, particularly as teenagers, listening to some of these songs and watching these movies, they are diverted away from moral standards. Mm -hmm. And when they no longer have moral standards, then anything goes and anything's acceptable. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a big problem in that we have... A lot of absentee parents out there who aren't, and they, they, it, they, the kids themselves may be in a two-parent nuclear household, but the parents just aren't there raising their kids with the right morals, with the right expectations, and so you see all of this undermining of the system. The kids don't care; they're not going to take it seriously because the parents aren't taking it seriously when they do something wrong. As a retired teacher. When you can get a pre-K child to defy the teacher when the teacher says, sit here, and they look at you and they say, but I don't want to do that. And the parent does not back the teacher for saying, you listen to adults. You respect all adults, janitors, cafeteria workers, bus drivers, period. But that's not being done. Done is... Oh, I'm sure that's not what they meant. Well, it came out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. They sure did mean it. It's it's such a lack of parental involvement and parental control and accountability for their students' behavior. Look, you you spend a lot longer than this in the system than I did. I would be on either my ninth or tenth year if I had stayed in it this year. But you and I both know that this is a this is a problem that has been brewing for a very long time, and we are now well, reaping the benefit. We're now reaping what has been sown by parents and their when, lack of involvement. When you yes, when you have high school uh, students who can go in the bathroom and smoke. High school students who can curse teachers out. High school students who can hit teachers. It makes it, it it's unacceptable under all circumstances. Period. Yeah. Thank you very much for the call. Unfortunately, I'm out of time now, but I appreciate it. You guys, thank you very much for listening this week. I will be back 
on Monday. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, and email Joe at RedState.com. The podcast version of the show will be up in just a few minutes on JoeCunninghamShow.substack.com. Be back soon. In the meantime, Shannon is offsides. Next, here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.